Hello, ladies and gents. This is Mike Headley on the Headley Group Real Estate Show. On this podcast, we interview real estate professionals on their journey with their real estate career. They provide great value, insight, and knowledge. Continue to tune in. Hey, gang, this is Mike Headley. We are back with another great one on the Headley Group Real Estate Show. I always talk about we got a great one for you, but we got an awesome one for you today. We got a seasoned, highly intelligent real estate professional, Storm Leroy with Storm Management Investments. This brother is dropping some jewels today. We need you all to tune in and continue to support. Thank you. Hey, ladies and gents, how you doing? This is Mike Headley. We are back on the Headley Group Real Estate Show. Uh, first of all, before I introduce this brother, one thing about our show, we got to keep it real. And I think the audience love authenticity. The reason why this brother right here is laughing, because we literally started from yesterday, technical difficulties of the ass. I'm talking about computer go out, the power in um, didn't work out, the internet slowed down. We had to switch laptops. But the first thing we want to do is salute this brother because he was very patient, very yeah. patient to stay with us to go through these ups and downs. And actually, this is a learning lesson now. People that got a business out there, you're gonna go through this, but you gotta stick with it. But thank you, brother. Now, let me get to this fabulous introduction here. There we go. This brother right here uh, is a real estate investor, has been in the business, uh, um, has been in the business for over 20 years. He's an educator. Uh, He comes with so much wealth and insight the ups and downs in this real estate field. Let's give a warm welcome to the owner of Storm Management Investment, Mr. Storm Leroy. How you doing, brother? Good, man. Thank you very much, man. Oh, Thank man. you very much. We running it back, baby. We yeah. here. We well, here. We are here. This brother's a fellow fellow New Yorker. So we yes, going to so all you New York people, Brooklyn love. We both from Brooklyn. Uh, but but I got to say, before you go in, brother. Thank you, man. I got to say that again, because we went through like this to get this show going. But again, thank you for your patience, because we can laugh about it now. Yes, we can, man. So, brother, let's dive into this here. Let's dive into these 20 years being into the real estate field in this business. 20 years. Brother, you look you look like you about, uh, and we don't got to call names, uh, ages, but brother, you look like you're about 34, right? So, I mean, you started when you was probably about uh, 30, what, about 14? <laughs> so... What drove me getting real estate? Okay. Um, what drove me getting into real estate uh, was actually my father. You know, he basically, mm. we lived in a brownstone in Bedstock, Brooklyn. Mm. And one thing he would say to me was, own, own, don't mm. pay nobody's rent. We didn't own ours. You know, back, mm. back then, we knew about the 70s, which I'm dictating, already telling you my age, back in the 70s. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're dealing with redlining, blacks couldn't mm. get mortgages, living in certain communities. For those that like to do the research on, on what went on back then, I would definitely recommend looking up redlining and um, what happened with the GI bills coming out of the military with um, Levittown. Mm. Levittown, which is a great documentary about what happened with blacks that came mm. out of military, how Levittown came to be. I won't get into that. Into that, I'm a history buff. I love yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I actually, I, live, I read that. I saw the documentary and I read a book on that. But we'll get on that another topic. Yeah, definitely powerful. So you know, with that being instilled in me, it, it didn't really click at that time. You know, mm-hmm. at, at, at a young age, I was always into electronics and investing and mm-hmm. wanting to know mm-hmm. about stuff. You know, kids had all the game. My brothers, they all we all 
was doing boarding and all that board games and all mm. that. I was always into knowing technology mm. and money, right? So when I did get older uh, and, and as time went on, I got my very first apartment, you know, and I started paying rent. You know, my father's passed away now at this time and I was just paying rent and, and no kidding, I, around the second month of paying rent, I was like, yo, this ain't gonna work. Mm. This is a problem. I'm paying mm. rent, I'm gonna pay mortgage. And that that was the, the thing for me was, I wanna own something. I wanna make it possible for someone else to pay rent, to pay my mortgage and I live for free. Mm. That really was the simplest form of it. And going mm. back, just a little bit, we can go back. And, and um, for me, it really hit me at a young age, even before then, in the early 90s, when the crack epidemic was heavy in Brooklyn, mm. you know, there was an older gentleman who was going to sell me a house for those that know Brooklyn, Bergen and Washington, right? Mm. It's very, very built up area with condos. And I went over there in the, in the 90s. And I was like, uh, yeah, I really want to buy this place. The older gentleman said, I'm gonna sell you my two brownstones for um, 300,000. I was like, damn, two houses, 300,000? You know, I took my, my brothers with me. This was the first kick for me. So I took my brothers over there with me. And I said, yo, what y'all think about this? Man, he's gonna sell me this. It's like, ah, oh, the area was bad. It was dark, crack. I said, yo, but I can get these. I can rent them out, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and we went down the basement, you know, and really, my brothers really put it in my brain where don't do it. That doubt, that one little doubt, you know, because some people could, could see the distance, could see the, the whole forest, but that one tree was stopping them from seeing the forest. Mm, I mm. seen forest and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna do it. So I backed out of that and didn't buy that. But then there was a scenario also in Brooklyn and a lot of other urban areas where if you would buy the vacant lots in the community, you would only have to pay a dollar. It was selling for a dollar, five dollars. Mm. I wanted to buy lots. Like I really was on this in my 20s. You know what I mean? And I really, and the whole thing was, y'all want to get the slide, but it's like, just pay the taxes. But you will hear so many people tell you so many different things about why you want to do this, why you want to do that. And, um, you know, they made sure they pushed in us that that thing of when the crack was out, not, not taking care of the neighborhood and all that other stuff where we didn't even believe in our own neighborhoods. So when HUD and FHA and all them start knocking on the doors in the 80s saying, buy your house, we're going to fund you. Because a lot of people don't know that these things were uh, created for us to have the opportunity to buy our homes first. Mm -hmm. And then once they fill the quota, now they can take all those mortgages and loans with the with the HUDs and now have other people that don't look like us offer them the loan programs. And then they started buying up our houses. And now, look, people started getting upset going, how come all these people that look like me, that don't look like me, are buying mm -hmm. these houses? Well, they mm -hmm. came to us first. They really did knock on doors and access. And we, which I can understand, didn't believe that this area would turn around the way it did and we didn't invest. But in that time, I looked at it and said, you know what? When I did get my first opportunity to buy in Bed-Stuy, I'm at the end of the 90s. I said, you know what? I'm buying. After that scenario with my brothers, um, I was in my, in my 20s. And then moving further on, uh, got into my early 30s, my, 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 my late 30s. Mm. And I said, you know what? No, my late 20, uh, I was about 29. It was 99. Okay. So, all right. So now we know. <laughs> 29. So good, brother. Right, so now we know. So now uh -huh. I'm like, okay, I'm buying me a brownstone. And that's when mm -hmm. I checked this one out. Because my partner of mine who got into real estate, he was a, a realtor. And he said, yo, man, uh, you really want this real estate? Yo, I want to do it 100%. He said, I'm going to take you to this, this brownstone. 
took me to this brownstone, looked at it, the people were living there, you know, and, and it was in my old neighborhood in Bed-Stuy, I had moved to Crown Heights. And I said, you know what? I want to buy this place. And I went to school with two of them that lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was their parents. And they said, wow, we really love to sell you the place. I said, all right, so let's do it. They gave me a really good deal. I bought the place for um, 375000 mm-hmm. And I took out a $150,000 construction loan. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the construction loan back then was we knew how to maneuver. It was a different market. I took the right. 150. I used that as a down payment to buy another brownstone two blocks away. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's how the game was where we would educate each other. Like, nah, get that construction money, go get another one. So I bought that one. I bought another one two blocks away um, roughly about a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into my first two. And mm-hmm. as time went on, I-, I went and lived in the other one. I said, I'm going to do some fixing here. Mm-hmm. Um, about another, when the market, the market crash was going on mm-hmm. 2000, around 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know what? These prices are going down. You're not going to find these numbers like this. Mm-hmm. So I went, did my due diligence. I bought me another one. I said, all right. So now I had three of them in the book. So that's what got me into it. I could keep going. You know, I love to talk. So Correct. Well, 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 let me interject on that. Because, brother, yeah, first of all, you said so much that I really got to peel that onion back. The first thing I want to say is that when you was at coming you need to come around our block. Cause nobody was teaching us this and it's crazy that you were saying this in the 90s me and my friend actually side conversation we had this discussion how when we was coming up nobody said that og was like yo listen let me pull y'all to the side forget that you know you know what we used to do forget that leave that alone and focus on this real estate like we didn't have none of that but the fact to hear you somebody who was actually doing it then it was like, man, I wish it was more like you. So I salute you on that. Let's talk about that property. When you said you purchased from the couple, was that a lease option or, or was it straight loan? Or how did you? That's a straight loan. In a loan. Got you, got you, got you, straight, got you. Straight conventional loan. It was fairly easy to get mortgages back then. Correct. And I was going, and that's the question I was going to ask you is that how did you qualify for it? You said it was fairly easy. So you did it yeah. as an own occupant. Yeah, I did it as an own occupant. Okay. You know, I okay. had a job, so that was okay. easy. To okay, okay, okay. I had a job, so I was like, cool, we can give you a mortgage. It wasn't that much money, you know, really mm. technically. Mm. $353.75. You look at the numbers, like, all right, mm. cool, this is how much it's going to be. Mm. Uh, alone. And it really wasn't no problem to give me a mortgage to get that construction money on top. It's no problems at all to do that. Wow. So, and you said something uh, a dollar for the vacant land. I remember as a kid, uh, uh, going down some of the blocks in Best Stop, putting them to Cal, and I used to see the brown stones, right? And and let's keep it. We keep it real on our show. Uh, uh, crack and heroin was was, was 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 serious, right? Then, AKA Diesel, right? So it, it was it was <laughs> it was serious then, and it was nothing but a boarded up. And I used to remember going down, walking down the street with my mother, and see the see the signs, and it said. The city will help you pay for this. Like yeah. we're begging you for you to buy this. Yes. And now, and now it's like they're going for a million plus and some. So yeah. now you got the three properties. If you mind sharing with us, how many properties do you currently own now? I have uh 30, 29 in one is in New York, 29 are throughout the United States. Oh, oh, oh brother, we, we gotta get around applause. Say that for the people in the back. I mean, do you have brother? I have 30. 30. 
his brother found his dad. Thirty units, and I take it that you brought strategically smart. You just wasn't buying real estate. You brought yeah, no, smart. No, no, no. It's all smart. You know, my main thing that I'm known for is out of state investing, and I love okay. to teach people that. Okay. Because we live in these markets now, as you just said, these are million dollar, two million dollar homes, like mm -hmm. eight doors down from me. They just sold that property for two point one million. That's eight doors down from me. So that's two point one million compared mm -hmm. to when I paid three seventy five. Right. So can I interject? Are you getting letters now for people who want to buy your house? buy your property oh, man I, that is, they ringing bells <laughs> you know they bringing bells you exactly know, but like, exactly but here's the thing though you know I, i've i've started liquidating i only have one in new york now because i've been liquidating okay. my assets because i plan on leaving new york okay you know my my we're going to get into that conversation correct we'll talk to why okay but my mm -hmm. my objective is now if some if someone was to ring my bell right now like i'm on i'm on live with you right now my bell is the ring someone says i have a bag with two million dollars cash in it. this interview is over and i'm moving out <laughs> feel me like you, you know people get Don't attached you, to the homes correct and you know, the thing is, I wouldn't tell no one to sell and take cash if you don't have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people say, well, it, what I'm going to do with the money or if someone, if your house is worth a million and somebody offer you 1.5 or $2 million, you need to not worry about you being attached emotionally to this house because you're going to do so much more or you can sit with a financial advisor. You're getting more than what the house is valued. Mm -hmm. You know, people hold on to these things and I get it with these heirlooms. So like say if your grandmother left you a brooch or someone in the family left you this painting or something they bought years ago, they never knew it was going to be worth money. They right. bought something for a thousand is worth 10,000, 10, 10 right. 20, a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And you're right. going, I don't want to sell it because my great grandmother, she owned this, but it's worth a hundred thousand. Your great grandmother would be so proud of you. If you were to sell that trinket and do something to create generational wealth with it, besides mm. holding on to it and mm. letting it get into the wrong hands and then they sell it and do nothing with it. So anytime I hear someone going, oh, no, I'm going to hold this in the family because it was purchased by blah, 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 and it's worth this much. And it's like, OK, well, do you have a trust in place, which we'll talk about that? Do you have a trust in place to dictate mm. that that falls in the correct hands? So that money, so that person doesn't mess up that money, which you could do something with. You know, we need to really understand the value, especially opportunity. We don't realize when opportunity is right there in front of you. Some mm. people want it, desire and go, if I had the chance, if I had the moment, then when it comes, they go, can I get right back to you? Ah, ah, ah. You know, I mean, brother, so many, so many great Jews to unpack with that. But I, I, I want to, I don't want to, I want to stay on the investment part because I know yes, people are so in. intrigued with that. The, so what area of expertise in investing is it multifamily, single? Like what, what area do you really focus in on? My area of expertise is anywhere from one to four units one to four out of units. state. Out one of to four state. units out of state. Got you. All right. So continue. No, no, I was about to say, if you, if you said out of state, is there particular cities and states you focus in or is anywhere there's a deal at? There we go. Anywhere where there's a deal mm. and I can create my team, right? Mm. And the reason why I tell people, because this is how I look at it and I try to um, teach this, you know, with my classes and courses, right. teach people. When you start looking at your properties as assets, you will grow exponentially. Like you cannot look at 
your house and properties as exactly that as a house. Because now when you start using that terminology, I'm a homeowner, I'm a homeowner. Now the next terminology that somebody else is gonna present to you is, how does it feel to be a landlord? You're not a landlord, you're an investor. Mm -hmm. When you understand the difference in the two, you will go from being well off, okay, set up, rich to wealthy. See, like those pattern steps. And each one of those comes with a title. I'm a homeowner, I'm okay. I'm a landlord, I'm doing good. I bought more properties. Okay, I'm turning into an investor. I'm growing a company with assets. Now I'm staring at wealth. Mm -hmm. There's a differentiation. When you hear someone, like I hear someone say, I have four houses mm -hmm. and they own four homes and they're a landlord. But you hear from them, the struggle, the stories. I got my tenants and this and that. And I say, you know what? Because you're a landlord. How do you expect to become wealthy and you still calling yourself a landlord? Wealth and landlords, forgive me if I'm wrong, point me out a landlord that's wealthy. A landlord, someone that jiggle toilet handles, bunch of keys, Got collecting you. rent landlord. Mm, See, mm. I'm an investor. I have all these properties, but I'm not a landlord. Correct. There's no way, shape or form. You know what I mean? So mm. I'm going to backtrack. So how do I pick these places? I look at things like, um, how's the area doing? Like, you know, what, what's my return on in investments? Mm -hmm. The key thing here that I teach is, and was taught to me, so it's nothing new, is that minimum is a 10% return on your investments. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to learn how to do your rental calculators, learn your numbers, learn the area, learn the diff how much the properties are in value in that area. There are places I, I use and I teach um, like bestplaces.net is one of them, where you can go and find out how much money comes into the school system, how many jobs have come into, how many jobs have left, um, uh, how much money is spent per student, what's the construction going on. Like what when you, le you learn the crime rate, which is so important, Very important. and touching on crime rate also, which I, I, I really tell people, I give you the scenario. You can have a place with a high crime rate and then you have one with a low crime rate, but there's a big difference. Just because there's a high crime rate doesn't mean there's a problem. Exactly. High crime rate can mean pickpockets, car vandalisms, and, and things like that, high crime rate. But then you can have something with low crime rate, but the low crime rate tends to be strong arm robberies, home break-ins, mm -hmm. they're far and few in between. So I would always say, don't look at the places that you see the high crime rate and go, I don't wanna deal with that. Mm -hmm. Look at what type of crimes are the high crimes. Mm -hmm. So, so once I do my numbers and I see, for example, in Alabama, I have probably about 12 properties in Alabama. I'm in um, the states I'm currently in now, and, and, and I'm in um, Alabama, Georgia, Milwaukee, West Constance. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm in uh, Florida, uh, Jacksonville. I'm in Ohio, in Cleveland, in Euclid. Um, that's really coming all off the top of my head right now. I okay. can remember. Right. Okay. But the key thing that I tell people, if someone was to, was to come to you and say, I have an asset, I have a house, an asset property that's making 30% return on investment, but it's in Alaska. You have a management team out there that's managing it. Correct. I have a tenant that's been in place for 12 months, mm -hmm. never been laid on rent. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? You're going to walk away from that? It's an asset. That. You don't have to deal with that. So it doesn't really matter. So when a lot of people also ask me this question, they ask me, well, when you buy these property out of states uh, and the tenants, do you worry about them? This is another key thing in my course I teach that mm -hmm. I buy properties out of state that have tenants living in them already. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And a lot of people say, why? Why do you why do you want tenants? Why do you want to deal with the tenants? And like the example I just gave you, if I was to tell you, I'm going to sell you a property that has no tenant, you could find your own. Or here's a property that has a tenant that's been living there for 12, 12 months. And for the entire 12 months, he's never been laid on rent. Which one would you want? The tenants that's never been late paying 12 months rent? Or a property where you have to get a tenant with no rental history? Correct. That's so the issue. It's a simple structure where mm. my formula is a guaranteed rent structure. I buy properties that are rent producing, tenants been paying rent, have no issues. I get a property management company. Okay. Well, you know what? Let me let me walk you through the process. Correct, correct. And I was about to I was about to ask that, but thanks. Here's here's the step, step by step, right? So now I find a property in somewhere, let's say Georgia. Georgia, first thing I make sure is that there's a property management company in that radius that manage properties. Mm -hmm. And the way that I find the property management companies is a place called biggerpockets.com. Once I mastered biggerpockets.com, my revenues were were somewhere in the five digits. Once I went there, I easily excelled at six digits. And I've met two of my best mentors in Bigger Pockets. Biggerpockets.com is a place where with two million investors hang out and we go there and talk about where to invest, where not to invest, Correct. what's the best returns, what's mm-hmm. the new things coming in. Like, for example, the reason why I went into Alabama so hard is because we knew that Amazon was opening up a warehouse mm. before it hit the news. So once that happened, I said, I'm on my way. So I went down there, Birmingham, Centerpoint, all these places, and I started buying. My rent, when I first got there, was like 500 bucks for places that I was getting. You know, weren't that much money to buy them. The rent was guaranteed. So automatically I have two things working. It doesn't cost that much. I'm getting guaranteed rent. By guaranteed rent, I do section eight housing programs or long-term tenants. Mm-hmm. Never vacant, never short, never tenant that hasn't been there in that time. Mm-hmm. So now when I purchase these and the Amazon open up, now my rents in Georgia are 900, $1,100, $1,400 wow. for properties that I've paid 50, $60,000 for. You know, and I love to talk to people who are in those places where the income they're making doesn't have to be a lot for a $60,000 investment property in Georgia. Mm-hmm. 20, 20% down is $12,000. Okay. $12,000. So now if you partner with someone, which is another key thing for me, I tell people, my mentor taught me and told me once I learn to partner, I'm going to grow. Once I got a partner, I went from like eight to 10 properties all the way up to 25, 26. Because mm-hmm. why would you take your twelve thousand dollars to buy one property when you could partner with someone, take your twelve, and now have two? Quick commercial break. If you're interested in a career in real estate or you're a seasoned vet, and you might want to change, new environment, you don't like the atmosphere you're in, the Headley Group Realty could be there to assist you with your career. What do we offer? Great culture, great environment, leads, and an awesome commission structure. Let us be there to support your business. One thing, you got to be in the state of North Carolina. Let's get back to the show. Mm. And now that's a better tax implication. Because now when you're doing your taxes and you open your own property management company, which is another thing I teach in taxes, Mm. when you hire a property management company, you want them to pay you through your property management company because now you're writing off all the taxes and things that they're doing on their side as a property management company Mm. through your tax through your mm. property management company. Mm. 
getting paid as an individual through a property management company, you can't write off all those expenditures. Right. But now that you're a legitimate company, guess what you're doing? You're writing off the roof. You're writing off all these things that they're saying is coming up. You're writing off the expenses. You're writing off the fact that now that you have an LLC, you're writing off that you have a home office. Mm. And now you have a home office. That's 20% off your rent or mortgage, which people really have to understand. And I'm going to back up and slow that down. Take your rent and your mortgage times that rent or mortgage times that by 12. And now take 20% of that and say, you mean I can write this off? Yes, it's a write-off because you have an LLC and your office is in your home. 20% of your light, 20% of your heating. And here's another thing. If you have if you have young adults living in your house, you hire them to work for your LLC. And now instead of giving them allowance, you give them a salary. Mm. And now they get a salary. They write that salary off. And now you have a child in your house that can get a tax return. I can do this all day, but I'm going to slow Correct. down because I'm jumping. Correct. Let's Correct. go. Let's talk, well, I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, brother, it's so much great insight in Jews. But but I'm going to ask you to say, let me peel it back a little bit. What yeah, do you yeah. say to 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 the investor that that's not too fond of Section 8? They say, well, we know that they don't have too much interest in the property. They'll destroy the property, even though their voucher is on the line if they was to do that. But it's just that there's not like a high concern of taking care of the property. What, what do you say no to that? What, what, what I say is most likely that question is coming from people in the urban areas in the city where, where we, you know, we all on top of each other with, with uh, upstairs, downstairs, your neighbors right on top of you. So there's that added thing that we're in where we see in everybody. It, it's 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 that 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 thing we're being so so compact. But with these other places, people have manicure lawns because they don't have somebody on top of them. They take care of the property. Don't get me wrong. And there are some places where some people don't take care of Section Eight, but they're far and few in between. You know, these are people who don't have the stress of having to deal with the neighbor next door fighting with them and their dogs. They don't have the tenant upstairs, this and that. You don't have that. So it's a lot more relaxed attitude. And a lot mm-hmm. of the section eight, most of them are people who have a job, but can't afford the balance of the rent that's due. So it might be a situation where section eight pays 80%, they pay 20%. Section okay. eight pay 50 and they pay 50, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, let me see. Yeah, so there was a situation, you know, there are situations where these people, like you said, they have their vouchers on the line, but these are still hardworking people. Mm. These are people who just can't afford that extra end of the of the of the income to qualify in Section 8 to step in. Mm. But when you get out of the realm of how New York City Section 8 is, because right. oh my God, it's a disaster here. Yeah. The horror exactly. stories. Correct. Correct. That's why I go that route. Like I, I have the two properties I just purchased in Ohio. One was Section 8, other one is a program where it's uh, uh, government funded and they pay the rent every six months. So I mm. get the six months rents up front Ooh. and I get the six months rent up front again. Mm. And these, no issues, wow. no issues. We have to, in my course, right? The first lesson I teach is called unlearn to relearn. Because oh, 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 we're going to dive into that schooling. Let's hold up on that a little bit, that teaching. Yeah. That teaching okay. part, because we're going to get to that. Uh, okay. but, I, but, but I do want to know, is considering the 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 real estate investment because we all got challenges when we bet we invest in properties what was the most difficult horror story because we all have one right i know you probably got a thousand but share me the one that's at the cream of the crop that you was like man this you either lost some money or it was just very challenging how did you come up from that okay um 
losing money. I've, I've, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you two, right? Okay. But I'm gonna show you the difference in the variations of of losing money and and how things are not what it appears to be. Okay. There's a property I have in um, Georgia in Decatur. So everybody mm-hmm. knows Decatur downtown Decatur. Mm-hmm. We know those properties are very they're costly. So when this property popped on the grid two years ago, I said, you know what? Wow, is a tenant there paying? Um, tenants paying sixteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So the property was 140. So there's a thing where where it's called the 1% rule. Mm-hmm. We don't start doing math on the property if the rent doesn't cover 1% of the ask because mm-hmm. it's not going to make your profit. So mm-hmm. if the property is 140,000 and the minimum amount of rent needs to be uh, uh, $1,400, then I can go do the math. But this property is getting 1,600. So automatically I did the math and I said, I want this property. So now that happens to be in Georgia and I have family in Georgia. My my uh, nephew, he's 40 years old. I still call him my nephew. He manages my property in Georgia. So he goes okay. to look at it with the inspector, which is a key thing. When you get a property mm-hmm. and you have an inspector, go look at the property. You have a property manager go with the inspector because the inspector is there to check the status of the home and how, how it's fit. But the mm. property manager's job is to go check to see how the tenants are living. Mm. That's his job. Mm. He wants to know if they're taking care of the place, if the place is destroyed, if they're hoarders, if they're filthy, how many kids, if they're extra people living there. That's the importance of how I say building a team. Team is the inspector. Mm. Property manager, other part of the team. Now they're doing everything where I don't need to see any of these properties. I've never mm. saw any of these properties out of state. Never. Ever. Oh, oh, oh stop, right? stop. Say that one more time because I've never pretty much heard that before in my years of investing. People at least go down, put an eye on their property, see visuals, pictures. You never saw pictures, yes, but you never physically physically out of out of I've you know I've bought and I've sold some. So I say out of all the 30 something properties that I've owned over the course of time. I've seen only the ones in Georgia because I have family there. Okay. And when gotcha. I'm in Georgia, I might drive by. Okay. Right. Okay. So this one is in Georgia. And let me tell you how I end up seeing this property. Cause I was there visiting my family, but here's the scenario. Um, my, my nephew goes there and he says, man, this lady's a hoarder. This is a problem. I said, a hoarder, get out of here. So he sends me pictures and I'm like, yo, yeah, this is, this is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't want the property. So I tell the owner, who was selling it, selling a property. He uh, said, look, I don't want it to hoard a situation, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, I'm going to kick them out and I'll sell it to you after I kick them out. So I said, wow, so you had no intent on kicking them out or doing anything. You were getting your rent. So now I feel bad because I'm going to call somebody to be homeless just on the strength of the fact that I, I brought this issue up and he was fine with it. So I said, you know what? I'm coming to Georgia to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to go by there because I want to talk talk to her. So I went by the house. Great, great lady, man. And she said, um, no, I'm not a hoarder. What happened was I got a divorce and this all, all this stuff was in storage. I'm coming from a 3,000 square foot home into this small house and I can't keep paying storage fees. So she walks me through the house and I'm going, yo, this is a full living room set. This is a full, all her stuff in this room, like mm-hmm. closets and these yeah. extra TVs. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking mm-hmm. going, yeah, this is stuff that you can tell wasn't randomly picked 
That's hoarding and throwing. This was stuff that she got divorced and came from a big house. Correct. I said, you know what? I said, I'm willing to buy this house, right? Because I don't want you to be homeless on the implication that somebody else doesn't understand. I said, this is what I'll do. I said, I'm going to I'm gonna get a, a, a shed, get a shed, put it in the back. How about you keep all that stuff in that shed in the back and I charge you an additional $50 a month? Well, I'm going to get a you. 40 by 20, you know, Home Depot shed built, right. put back right. there. And my nephew worked at Home Depot, said that was no issue. Okay. We put the shed back there, cost me 400 bucks. He said, oh my God, that'll be so great. I said, listen, now every three months, I'm going to have my nephew come here and do a survey to make sure nothing's changed in this house. If we can agree that that shed is for all your XX stuff and this house stays the way it is, we're never going to have any problems. In a mm. new lease, if you don't abide by that, I'm going to have to be forced to evict you. She says, mm. you're going to see we're going to have no problems. I've been owning that house for two years. No problem. Two years now. No problem. And I'm making $650 off that shed additional every year. Wow. So, so I'm making money. Wow. So, so, that so was, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So that was one scenario of how it looked like it was a problem, but it wasn't a problem because it happened because I happened to speak to her. And I'm glad that I did, because if it was in a state that I don't go to, mm. she would have got evicted and thrown out, you know? <laughs> So mm -hmm. that was one scenario. So now in a scenario of losing money, I'm going to tell you a scenario how I lost money real quick. You want to ask me questions about no, no, that? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So the, how I lost money, I was doing another deal in Alabama and I was doing a um, a uh, seller finance deal where a lot of people who, who real quick, a seller finance deal is where you cut out the bank. Someone's selling a property. Let's say a quick, quick round number, $100,000. You tell them, look, I'm going to give you a down payment of $2,000 and every month I give you $1,000 for three years. And on the third year, I have to get a mortgage to, to uh, finance this house and I pay you the balance. Mm. You know, seller finance deals work great because you're eliminating the bank, you're eliminating all the fees and you're saving a lot of money. Right. Exactly. So three exactly. years later, the property gained more equity. So Correct. now when you do go get a mortgage, you're now gaining more equity on that property. So all that worked out fine. We did the, we did the deal, went, knocked it out, blah, 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 blah. But the problem was when I got this property, I did an inspection, but I did this property. This was this was some time ago, right? This is when I really just started getting in the out of state. And I was like, oh my God, bet, let's get the deal. And I had an inspection done. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't do diligence was I didn't have the right inspector. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's I didn't right know about the bigger pockets the way it was. So the inspector went, he did an inspection, but he didn't point out things to me that were red flags, mm. that were red flags. I had a, um, a tenant was living there, but as soon as I purchased the property, the tenant moved out. So these were all the things where, oh man, so now I lost the tenant. If I would have had a property manager who went with the inspector, he would have been able to ask the tenant, which is my number one question I tell my property managers to ask any tenants is, Give me one thing that bothers you the most that if you can have that fixed, what is it? I like you I said one thing. Manager, I like you said one, one thing. thing. Oh, because they'll give you a litany. said five things. <laughs> they'll give you a litany. Exactly. You know, so I didn't have exactly. the right inspector. I didn't have a property manager go. And when I purchased, mm. they moved out. Mm. So now I'm now I'm like, oh man, I got to get a tenant in here. So now I'm trying to navigate that. Like it was all really new to me. So once 
once I said, you know what, I can't do the seller finance for three years, which what I'm gonna do is just, just go get a mortgage on a property. Went, got a mortgage on a property, knocked it out, paid them off, said, now let me get me a tenant. But what I did was now I started learning the land, learning land in Alabama and people there. I connect with someone else who got me a contractor in. Now I got a property manager. I started to learn bigger mm-hmm. pockets. He went in and said, bro, you got some issues here. Mm-hmm. He pointed me some stuff out with the roof, leaking some, some uh, uh, cracks in the foundation, some stuff. I'm like, holy crap. Hold, I'm thinking his seller finance was going to be the bomb, not knowing the reason why he was doing the seller finance, because if he would have done the inspection through the bank, it wouldn't have got a loan. Got approved. Not at all. Exactly. Feel me? So that deal cost me because I had to fix the foundation. I had to fix the roof. I had to do so. I dumped about eleven thousand into the into the place after purchasing it. Mm-hmm. So eleven thousand after getting a mortgage, mortgage and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have that property to this day, and I'm I'm in the black. I'm making money. The property um, when I did that deal, I think I bought it for like thirty. The property is about sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth now, mm-hmm. and I've been getting rent for years now and making good money on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that was the disaster. That was For a disaster. Me, okay. Learning how learning. important relationships, bigger pocket is, and networking and building your team. Mm. That was the well, brother, based off of that, we're going to transition into you being a coach with your courses, talking about some of your successful students. Let's dive into that. Okay, cool. I have my movement called Axe the Movement, right? Um, ASK. Um, ASK was something that for me, really moved me to do with so much happening with um with, with besides of us not being in a position of power you know in all the dynamics of that once the social media really came into play we really start seeing how us minorities were being treated mm-hmm. body cams being shot killed mm-hmm. not fairly presented that that um that that doubt that moment of being allowed to tell your side of the story mm-hmm. without the repercussions either being arrest or your life mm-hmm. and i said this is crazy and i i had a phrase where i would say we're staring down the barrel of social media because when that gun was actually pointed at someone else and you looking at it it felt like it's being pointed at me mm-hmm. so every time i look at social media I, I, that phrase is like yo i'm staring down the barrel of social media you know it is just so ironic that this month, August, is the year anniversary of me starting as the movement. Wow. Right? Okay. It's so beautiful that this okay. moment, okay. And I'm going to re-release the video that I did of me creating the movement, me drawing the logo and the story. Mm. So once I, I started hearing this, I said, you know what? We need ownership. We need power. We need this. We need that. How can we do that? Real estate. Real estate for some people is not a tool, they something they can obtain out of state. Start teaching people. So what I did was I went to social media and I said, you know what? I'm going to teach four people how to become out-of-state investors in a live class online. Okay. That's it. People started DMing me. I want to be on your live. I said, I'm not charging. I said, I'm not charging because I want to learn this. I want to know what I'm doing. Correct. So I, I have people get on. I start teaching, recording the class and Zoom, sharing the video with people. And everybody's like, yo, you're really teaching people how to invest. I said, yeah, this is it. I, I need my people to know that. There are other places where you could take your income tax money. You could take that $8,000 and go do what you got to do. You mm. can do this. You can get a partner. You Yes, we can do that. So then that started to grow legs. But the key was, the not the key, but the kind of the hindrance was that I would teach four people for a month. So everyone else who wanted to get involved were like, damn, I got to wait a month. I got to wait a month. 
because I wanted to give you that attention. And at the end of the class, everyone must put in an offer on a property. Uh, that was my thing. I'm not letting you work. off the hook. Correct. I'm Correct. not letting you off the hook. So mm -hmm. then there was a gentleman and I always give him his praises. And I did a post on my Instagram yesterday about him. Ash Cash, right? Ash Cash is a gentleman in, in, in uh, Atlanta. He's part of the EYL. He has a show called The Vault. Uh, on their network. Yeah. Well, let me interject on that. Okay. So the brother, yeah, I seen he had a show. Yeah. yeah that's I my need, guy. That's your guy. That's, that's brother, my I need, guy. I need you to connect that. I need to talk to that. Oh, brother. no problem, man. All okay. of them are my people over there, man. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, that family is growing, growing. That family is big. And I, I'm yeah. thankful to be in that, in that doorway. And I'm trying to do a lot of big things with those guys right now. So, um, yeah. So Ash Cash, he actually seen a post of a me teaching and this and that and he reached out to me and it was like yo what you doing i have 500 followers like that's it 500 i'm, I'm happy with that so right. he goes yo what you doing needs to be on a bigger scale it's like mm. i'm gonna this is what you need to do i'm gonna do it right. he says i'm gonna do something for you and he just left it at that so i went back teaching my people then one day doing my online class my phone started and i'm like okay what the heck's going on i'll check it after the class I look and I just had all these followers, comments, followers, comments. He put really? up this post. Yeah, about one of my posts about um teaching people and da-da-da. And he threw it on and people just like, I want the class, da-da-da-da. And I was like, holy crap. Next you know, I went from like 500 to 1,300 in one day. And for me, that's that's a hell of a jump. You correct, know, that, correct. That's major like a jump. jump. It's a major jump. Major jump. So yeah, now yeah. I said, yo, man, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. He said, no, now we're getting on a phone call. So I'm going to show you how to take that class you unfortunately is gonna have to stop teaching live, take all those videos, turn this into a course so people can have the course and they can sign in, which was true because after that with him, I had 30, 40, 50 people who were booked. This was in November. I was booked all the way till April. Of November the next year. of 2020? From November of 2020, okay. people booked in up until April. They wanted to wait. I said, bro, I can't make them wait. He said, no, showed me how to do the course. He showed me ins and out. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to edit this out. I said, but bro, I, I like to teach people because I give homework. He said, okay, well give them homework and have them reply to the homework back to you. So in my course, your homework you submit, I get it actual live and I mm -hmm. check it in real time. That's what separates my course. Mm -hmm. People know that I hold you accountable. So once we did that, I did the course, put it together, sent it to him. He was like, bro, you ready? I released the course and that course, man, I did no marketing, no nothing on that course to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, I started the course. I, I don't want to give out monies of how much okay. the course is making. Correct. correct. You know, but it helped hundreds of people take the course and I'm in the five digits on the course. But not one, on that, brother. one piece wow. of marketing and that comes from word of mouth with people mouth. going, he holds you accountable, he checks the homework, and he makes sure that you really put in that step to put in your offer for your first deal. Mm. I don't like the fact that, and to each his own what everybody's doing. Correct. For me, when you buy a course, your only point of contact with the teacher shouldn't be at the point of sale. Like there mm. needs to be, you're able to contact him, ask a question. Mm. And you know, with my course, you have a number to reach me. And I tell them all, here's the number, text me. Here's the email, reach me. You know, people are so surprised when they send me a message and I reply back and I go, hey, what's going on? Let's chop it up. They go, yo, this really you? I'll be like, yo, why are you so surprised? Exactly, exactly. I told you, this is how I work. Because if it wasn't for him, 
reaching out to me and talking to me, mm. I would not have been helping so many people, you know? Mm. Hey guys, thank you for watching our show. We're gonna interrupt you real quickly. We are in the business of referrals. If you know someone looking to buy or sell, residential or commercial here in the North Carolina area, refer us. We really appreciate that. So mm. um, that's, so let me keep going, moving forward with the Ask the Movement. So with that process, with the course being done, the course has about 54 lessons and, I, and uh, the first part of it, like I mentioned before, it's unlearning to relearn. We have to unlearn everything. And when we had that little talk just now about section eight, that's one of the things. Mm. We only know what we hear, what we see. Mm. So once I get your brain and your mind wrapped around, you know what, everything you've learned, we gotta wipe it away. Mm. All the horror stories you heard, when you heard someone say, my friend had a house or someone told me, or I heard, that's not what we're doing here. Mm. You know, now we're going to start from the point of you becoming an investor, not a homeowner. I don't want you to think like when I buy a house, I just purchase work. You know, your home isn't a place for you to go work. It's an asset for you to monitor. That's all it is. Once you get that in your head and realize I bought this house because it's an asset and I'm an investor that allowed that gives you the motivation and strength to buy another asset because you're an investor. Another mm. asset, another asset. When someone keeps saying, I'm going to buy a home, I'm looking to buy another house, the first thing that might stop them is they go, okay, how much time I have? How much work it need? My other tenant at this other property, I'm having a headache. I don't want to deal with it. That's the problem right there mm. because you're looking at it from the wrong. Even if you have a property in your state that you could manage, I recommend you do not manage it. Mm. Property management fees are only 10%. Mm. So if you have... If you getting a thousand dollars worth of rent and they get 10%, that's a hundred dollars. You get $900. I have a saying that I always say that when you watch movies and you see people rob a bank, they going in there for the bundles on the shelf. They're not worrying about the dollars falling on the floor. Mm. That hundred dollars is just money falling on the floor. Mm. Go get that bundle, get out of there, go find you another bank. Let, let the property manager get that money that fell on the floor change that thought process mm. because every time you say to yourself oh i'm worrying about paying this person that paying this person that you're paying them because you're freeing up time and your time doesn't have a value you're freeing yourself up for that time mm. and now if you try to become uh another key thing i mentioned in my course is that you have to make a strong decision either you're an investor or a landlord because trying to do both hampers the growth of the other mm. which one you want to be which one? Because we can't do that. You know what Ooh. I mean? If we're trying to grow with power and strength and maintain and knowing that power comes with ownership, and if ownership now means that, you know what? I want one, I don't want more than one property. One property made you go, ah, I could do it. Two properties make you go, wow, that wasn't that hard. The third one makes you go, you know what? I want to start telling other people because now you believe in the process. Mm. People really don't start believing in the process around the first or the second. They mm. waiting for the shoe to drop. But mm. when you do the first, you're like, okay, I did it. Second one, oh, that wasn't that hard to do that. Third one, yo, let me tell y'all how to rock and roll, you know? And another thing we have to let go is the ideology, the ideology of saying, yo, I'm getting money. I ain't telling nobody how I do it. Oh. I'm rocking over here. Like when, you know, we know that we come from the nineties. We come mm -hmm. from the era of the drugs, the crack, mm -hmm. people getting money, That's hustling, right. doing these deals. And it was like, yo, you shining, baby boy. What you doing? That's you right. Know, getting money. I ain't telling nobody. Once we let go of that mentality, like for me, 
I had four mentors in my life with real estate, four. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot. And mm -hmm. three of them were white dudes that I met who schooled me on stuff that we didn't know. And one of them was the most prolific and he told me, they don't want you to win. Mm -hmm. I said, what you mean? They don't want you to win on your cover. Mm -hmm. He schooled me on how to do all these things with, uh, with the trust, with the LLCs. Like there's a, a thing really quick, not to jump off because it's in my course. When you own an investment property out of state, when you have an LLC, people always hear, yeah, have your investment property in an LLC. But what is the proper way to have that LLC structure? When, you've, when you're filling out an LLC, it says, what's the name of your LLC? Cool. So you're, I'm gonna give an example. Investment property is 123 Smith Street. So the LLC name is gonna be 123 Smith Street. Exactly. Who's the owner of the LLC? Then you put Storm Leroy. That's the wrong way to do that. You're not supposed to be the owner of the LLC because even though your LLC is protected, Storm Leroy is not protected. I right. can't sue your LLC, but I can still come for you because your name is on the LLC. Mm -hmm. So I can Google it and go, okay, cool. Now we're gonna go after him, civil suit. Where you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to have 123 Smith Street LLC. The owner of the LLC is supposed to be another LLC that you have in Wyoming, Delaware, Nevada, or New Mexico, because in those states, no one can see the owner of the LLC. It's called anonymity. anonymity. So now right. if mm -hmm. 123 Smith Street is owned by one of my Wyoming LLC, if you want to sue 123 Smith Street, you go, man, it's an LLC. I can't sue it. Let me sue the owner. Who's the owner? Another LLC in Wyoming. Fuck. Excuse me. It's like, yo. That's all good. Yeah. We can't, we can't sue that because that LLC, we can't see. That's where the brick wall comes in. You need to be able to cover all your and this is the things they told me and i had guys who've been doing this for 10 20 30 years on my mm. line tuning in hitting me going yo young blood i had no clue that's that's the way you're supposed to handle it i say yeah you know why because we get half of the story and if there is someone who looks like us that knows it unfortunately they might go nah i'm good i ain't telling nobody let them do them you see what i mean so i can't wait when I get jewels and something hit my brain, I go on a live, I make a post. And I guess why when I do, do when I create posts and I do lives, it's so impactful where people tune in because it's like, I don't do a lot. But when I do, it's like, yo, he got a message. Right. I'm right. going in. I want to see what he going to say. I want to read his post because he's not posting anything that has to do with anything else. But here's a game. You know, mm -hmm. like I did one post where I bought three properties for a thousand dollars. And I wanted wow. to school people how I did that, you know? Wow. So I did a whole post about it and cats were like, dude, you can't be giving up the game like this. And how are you? I said, yo, y'all are really tripping right now, bro. Very much so. Very much so. You're tripping, but, but, you know? But, but, but brother, I, I got I to interject. Yeah, you, yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. Brother. No, no, no. Stuff, my point I'm where I'm saying well. is that, yeah, because we, we about to go and we got to do a part two. <laughs> but I do want to do this here because you, 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 you spitting. I mean, there's so much to unpack. But I do want to do this here, right? And that's why I want to get this part two going, but maybe another time. But give us two golden nuggets, brother, because I want to give us two golden nuggets that the audience would love. That's going um, it's going to enlighten them, inspire them, whether that's a book, a quote, or just something that's coming from you. And then also after that, I want you to share, which we'll highlight as well, where you get the course at, where to follow it, et cetera. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I burnt. I burnt out clock fast, man. I know. <laughs> We're not. We're gonna do a part two, though, brother. Because because this right. is. I mean, this is good game. I got. Good a, game. I got a lot to give the people. I know you baby. too, brother. I, I know you. Part you know, two and three. Um, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely part two. Okay. Because I, real quick, before I give you the gems, and I want to okay. share this, I want to make sure I tell people about the new investment strategies before we become last. We mm. always get in on investments and ideas after other people became rich. Mm. Whether that be real estate, we're doing real estate now, but we're on the tail end of the wealth of real estate. Mm. You know, people with crypto, we need to understand and learn that and I have a partner who teach that before crypto. Now, Bitcoin is at this price, but we knew about it when it was $500, but now it's being marketed to us at $30,000. So mm. there's a new investment strategies going on with, um, lake properties and airbnbs and dome houses and mm. and and um um uh water tanks and stuff like that that i really want people to get in at the ground level before they go oh man storm got a bunch of these by the lake and now he didn't tell us about it no i want y'all in on the game but let me give you the nuggets right okay. um wow uh i could give you one this one to me sums it up Mm -hmm. Right. This this is a powerful, powerful one. And I love it. And I was just going to put that post up today. But here it is. Your boss will never pay you enough to live next door to him. Mm. Brother, say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> Please. Your boss will never pay you enough to live next door to him. That right there. That's powerful. That's, that's strong for me, man. That, that, that's, listen, that brother. Let me tell you something, brother. And, and again, for the audience out there, again, I do want to salute this brother because he was very patient with us. And we had a few technical difficulties. And I'm going to tell you something about the game this brother has dropped with the... And again, you told your age, brother, in terms of the experience because no... 31-year-old is going to have that insight and that experience, brother. But no, which is a blessing. This brother gave us so much insight, experiences, and lessons. And that's why we will have a part two with this brother because we can't. We've been talking for another two or three more hours. Yes. We want to give a, definitely a, a warm shout out to Mr. Mr. Uh, Storm Leroy. And the name of that company, again, is Storm Management Investments. And brother, where can they get that course at? The course, you can go to askthemovement.com. Okay. Um, you can get the course there. I have a code that's still active okay, um, that you guys can use. And mm -hmm. I was going to disconnect the code, but I'm glad I didn't because I really want you guys to get it. The course is normally uh, $979, but right now you can get the course for $97. $97. Use the code BARRY. Barry. Use the code Barry. That code that. Will be active. Yeah, that'll be active. That code will be active for some time. And my two ebooks, which we'll discuss, is Take Your House Out of Your Name, which, which shows you the importance of taking your house and putting it in a trust. Mm -hmm. So I have two ebooks about that. So we can discuss that next time, but we must learn about trust and not having a will and the power of taking your house out of your name for your generational wealth. Mm. Now that $97, that a one time fee or monthly? No, that, that's one time fee. One time fee. Gotcha. Okay. Use the code Barry. Okay. You'll Barry. get the code. You'll get the course for $97. And that's going to be active now. So remember, you're going to see I took all the advertisements down for the code. But when you get to the checkout, type in Barry and it'll go from $979 to $97. Get that course. But I'm going to tell you, do not, and I don't care how much money I lose off of that course, do not get involved with the course if you're not anticipating doing homework submitting mm. it to me and being uh, and being open to me telling you do it again do it again do it again mm -hmm. do it again 
Storm Leroy, brother, with that ass movement, teacher, entrepreneur, investor. Thank you again, brother. And it's good to be. And we'll see you all next time on the Heavy Group Real Estate Show. Hey, gang, I hope you really enjoyed that show. Our guests provide us some great tips and insight. And please support them on all social media platforms. And while I'm saying that, support us on all social media platforms. And don't forget, watch the entire video on YouTube. We'll see you next time.